Welcome to Factum Agri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Each week, I talk with farmers and growers, industry, the science community, and policymakers to hear their views and opinions on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. This week on Factum Agri, Reese Griffiths from Deer Industry New Zealand joins me to give a market update on our key international markets. Reese is here now. G'day, Reese. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Taking along, uh, thanks, Angus. Yeah, um, keeping pretty busy. Yeah, just, just getting a new person on board to kind of help out on that market side of things. Yeah, nice one. Did you attend the recent uh, DINS conference? I caught up with Innes Moffat last week and he said it was well attended. Yeah, no, um, I went to the conference uh, and it was awesome. It was a great turnout. Um, I think uh, what Innes, um, well, what the DFA and, and DINS had kind of a, agreed on was to take, you know, reduce the price right down um, and try and get as many people, as many farmers along as possible, um, which I think really worked. Um, uh, you know, I think we're oversubscribed to the number of people that could attend, you know, yep. the size of the venue and for the dinner as well. And, you know, it was just, I, I, find, I always find these things really awesome to be able to engage with yeah with the people that pay our wages i guess so nice yep. to kind of talk talk with them and have a bit of a chat about things and you know there's uh, obviously a few things that need to need to improve in the industry and there are a few things that are going quite well but um but you know in general it's just great to sit down with these guys and have a chat or a beer at the end of the day and and uh, yeah yeah that's good and i gather um quite a few of the younger deer farmers coming through with there which is cool yeah, 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 they did seem to be. So how are things looking on the domestic market front? Is is venison getting in front of more Kiwis, do you think? Um, yeah, there's been a bit of a bit of activity uh, in New Zealand over the last um over the last year or so. Uh, but to be um to be honest, Angus, the kind of the main market for venison is is really our know, high paying overseas markets. You know, yep. so that's yeah, you know, that are, is the European market, mm. is the US market, and, and China are saying to um, increase uh, a lot more. Um, obviously, we saw venison getting knocked around really badly with uh, with COVID. You know, being kind of overly reliant on the food service sector and restaurants being shut down. And I know now that yeah, you know, hopefully it's a bit of a distant memory for us. Um, it was only kind of three or four years ago um, that you know the restaurants pretty much shut down, and we're seeing kind of a, a bit of a, an effect of that coming through and um, you know um, prices weren't weren't nearly the same they should you know, as they should have been so a few mm. people um, were out there kind of looking at their farming op, um, operations and in in kind of selecting other class of livestock to to run yeah um, but but those markets are starting to come back a bit now um, which is you know, yeah they are they see yeah yeah they, they, they appear to be so um um, so you know, when I have a look at the uh, the general stats out of New Zealand, uh, you know, from statistics New Zealand, you need to kind of take these things a little bit with a grain of salt. But they do, um, uh, you know, provide a, a, a good trend uh, there. We can see uh, year to date, um, uh, ending June, you know, we're up twelve point six percent as as an industry from three uh, hundred thirteen million to three hundred fifty two and a half million, yep. um, which is great, and, and that's. You know, over the last year or so, you and I have been talking a bit about um, velvet, but, but yeah. that, you know, that's been that's been um, kind of venison that's really led that charge. So we've seen venison exports increase from you know, 193 million up to 224.5 million. That's 16.5 percent, um, and that's kind of really been led, you know, by exports into the US. 
um, and then also uh, China and Germany. So, you know, those markets are now, yeah, US respectively worth, you know, 72.5 million, yep. 37 or nearly 38 million into China and 32.5 million uh, into into Germany. I mean, Velvet has lifted um, uh, its exports as well, uh, 8.5%, and that is net solid, you know, well over 100 million now, which is yep. um, which is fantastic. Interestingly, over the last year, it's been South Korea that's um, you know that's uh, kind of led the charge and in, in increasing that thing, that market's increased by you know a whopping forty percent. But I do think wow. it's probably a bit of timing and what happened you know with the early engagements by the um, healthy food companies. Um, but you know if we just go back a step, I think Angus, we we go back to kind of looking how things were and we needed to um, diversify. And I guess any you know any challenges that the that you go through as an industry or, um, you know, in, in the commercial sector or whatever, you know, you kind of learn how to adapt and, and diversify. Um, and ours was kind of diversifying away from that commodity game trade um, yep. up in up in that European market. You know, the exporters had kind of thought, you know, it'd be um, pretty good to be looking at, um, you know, that North American retail um, side of things. So yep. um, we've got a North American retailer accelerator plan that we're, we're kind of bedding in and it looks um, you know, very, very promising. Um, it is a key industry focus uh, as we kind of look to implement the new strategy uh, going forward. And, and of course, we can't underestimate, um, you know, the U.S. food service uh, bouncing back as well. So um, there's some good opportunities and there's some um, pretty good anecdotal feedback about that U.S. food service um, kind of returning as well. So, yeah, sure. Yeah, the US certainly one that we're keeping a really close eye on. Mm. So just touching on that European market, so you're saying that uh, there is increased presence of venison at a, uh, through the grocery channel now? Um, in, in the US, so the grocery channel is more, um, that focus is really that, or sorry, the retail channel is more in, into the US. US, yeah. German market, yeah, the European market is still a little bit food service um, orientated, although yep. I was having a chat with one of the bigger exporters, uh, their office up in London last night. And, you know, they've, they've got some pretty cool things happening around the um, the World uh, New Zealand Venison Barbecue Week, which kicks off on the 4th of September to the 10th of September. And, you know, Alliance in London are looking to kick off a, quite a good barbecue event um, uh, over there. And, and also there are kind of aspirations around in that retail side of things as well. So, so I think um, it'd be good to to have a good retail presence. Um, just bring that back to to the US side of things, you know, in case there are any shocks that you know make uh, going through that food service, which is which will still be an important market for us, Angus. Yeah, of course. But in case that makes that untenable, um, at least we've got another outlet, so we won't be kind of left in that same position we were when the restaurants were shut down three or so years ago. Yeah. So it, it sounds like there's significant work going into developing these new markets, and um, Innes indeed touched on that uh, last week as well. Has that been predominantly spurred on by the pandemic, or were these channels or these mar developing markets always sort of part of the long-term strategy for DINs? I mean, it'd be fair to say that the um, the pandemic really did um, really did uh, spur things along. Um, so, so you know, retail has kind of always been there. Um, companies, you know, some companies have done little bits of retail here and there, but but certainly when, when those restaurants were shut down overnight, um, we as industry and, and the companies, you know, pivoted or adapted uh, very, very quick to say, hey, look, we've got to have a presence in these markets. You know, some 
um, or there are a number of them, not just in the US, but also, um, uh, you know, in through Europe and in other countries, even here in New Zealand, we're kind of working with those meal kit um, um, service providers and, yep. and offering venison through those um, meal kit providers. And, you know, that's a great way to get, you know, how to cook venison out to people that might be, um, might think it's a complicated meat, which I don't think it is at all. Um, but yep. people might be a little bit reluctant. Um, so, so sending things out through the meal kit providers yep. um, was something that the, um, you know, some of those exporters worked on very, very quickly, um, you know, during that pandemic. But, the um the kind of the ending part of that P2P program, that passion to profit program, yep. um, was to do a bit of a pilot test um and looking at um yeah the potential for venison going through retail channels in in the US and, and that showed some really positive results. So so certainly the companies are, are gearing themselves up and and um, we're kind of looking at that as as a real future for the um for the industry. The DINS board of um, uh, you know, in conjunction with a lot of the, um, the companies and, and the DFA out there um, have come out with a new strategy um, or our view on the new kind of strategic direction and that uh, North American retail accelerator is, is, is kind of, you know, going to be a bit of a shining light in, in that, um, along with, you know, uh, some of the velvet programs that we've got on and, you um, uh, in the in the in uh, through the Republic of Korea and also in China, so uh, so you know turning New Zealand velvet as a respected healthy food ingredient in um, in in South Korea into mm. a health functional food. We're working with our partner companies up there. Um, some of them are going through the process of getting these products registered, which means they have to go through clinical trial work to get yep. actual claims put around. Um, the products containing New Zealand velvet to be able to market, and and that's looking like a real promising sign. So that's an area that the board um, are very interested in uh, in in keeping and in enforcing as a priority project. And then turning velvet from a kind of an agricultural TCM type commodity product in China um, as a as a celebrated healthy food ingredient, a bit like where we were in, in South Korea a few years ago, which we know paid big dividends, and that's where we've seen that rise from. You know, from an industry that was only about $28 million up to you know, $110, $120 million. And I guess, Angus, that's what really comes down to it, is about trying to deliver more value across the whole animal rather than just looking at venison or velvet or, yeah. or what have you. So we'll certainly be looking at, um, at what we can be doing with, with co-products. And there are a couple of great operators in New Zealand and that co-product side of things as well. So, mm. so we need to be able to extract more value from the, you know, from the whole animal as well. Yeah, velvet, uh, and you've just been talking about velvet. Velvet has certainly been a product that that has provided stability for farmers uh, in New Zealand. You know, and we've seen that through the COVID pandemic. Are these developing markets in Asia and the states uh, on the venison side of things? Do you see them providing more stability at the farm gate uh, for farmers moving forward? Well, that, yeah, that's absolutely the idea. So the healthy food program that we came out with uh, about 10 years ago, the strategy into South Korea, the whole idea behind that was creating an ingredient brand. Um, and so we got a presence in front of consumers and consumers suddenly became aware about New Zealand velvet in South Korea. And so that kind of underpinned it. I mean, we could then start growing, you know, from 450 tonnes to 600 to 800 you know, uh, to over a thousand tons over the last year, um, and prices have been able to largely. You know, we've had a few ups and downs, but yeah. over the course of ten years, they've been tracking, you know, in, in general in the right direction. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we've created this this industry now that um, that that helps to return on average a bit more money um, back into the New Zealand industry. Mm. The whole idea 
behind um, the North American retailer is to make um, retail accelerating program is to really um, create another another avenue for for New Zealand venison, but to create a, a bit of a nicer, closer connection between you know our, our producers and, and the consumers over there, and, and that recognition will help to underpin a bit of stability, you know, in in, in the in the market um, as we go forward. Yeah, fantastic. What sort of levels of farm gate returns do you think farmers may see this year on both the velvet and the venison side? Are we going to see the $11.50, $12 again, do you think? Um, I mean, that, that would be nice to, to think that that could happen. And we and we should be aspirational, right? But I think, yeah. um, as I know, there are, a few, there are a couple of prices, you know, chilled prices out there this year that are um, certainly on or a bit over the $10 mark, which is That's a, good. Um, an improvement from where we've been. Yep. Yeah. But we need to... And I think we all agree we need to um, need to keep keep the pressure up and and be a little bit more aspirational to get those better returns over the next few years. But this won't be something that happens this year. Yep. Um, you know, this year we've seen prices improve to you know to that kind of for that chilled season um, to prices around that ten dollar mark. Um, uh, but certainly, you know, the next few years as we kind of build up on the programs, it'll be nice to see that going um, going north even more. On the velvet front, it is still too early to determine yeah. uh, where prices are going to be coming into the season. But but you know, if we look at um, if we look at the uh, kind of consumer market, the underlying consumer demand, we know that the demand is is pretty strong, particularly in South Korea and the healthy foods. And we do know that consumption for velvet. So we've got to remember velvet's done. You know, done okay over the pandemic because it's used one of its main uses is, is, is around immune function. Yep. Um, um, people, that's how people take it. Um, so you know, we've we've seen, um, you know, we've seen we've seen kind of uh, that market increase um, increase over there, mm. uh, and the consumer kind of continuing to increase their consumption of it, and in China as well. But there is a, um, a wholesale kind of commodity trade, and that kind of, kind of can often dictate of where prices on the day may be. Yeah, I and mean, I guess it's our function in terms of um, strategy and leadership to be developing new markets. You know, we can't we can't determine what prices will be paid on the spot market today or, or tomorrow, but we need to be developing new markets to increase the consumption. Um, so you know, so overall, it can provide that stability and over a longer term improve prices. Yeah, what um, what percentage of the global market does New Zealand have on on both venison and velvet? And are we seeing herds growing in, in any other parts of the world? Gee, that's a great question, Angus. Um, uh, so yeah, so in, if I kick off with um, so well, we're the number one venison producer in the world, right? Um, and, and I think as Kiwis, we need to be really proud of that. Yeah, um, I so reckon. The largest- world and, and we can't you know we we can't let that go we've got to keep building on that um and so that's a really cool position mm. to be in um i'm not hearing of any other um uh, countries that are kind of operating in, in that space to the level that that we are i mean yeah. we do farm to a level that our consumers definitely like in terms of the credentials um um and how and how we farm yeah but um uh, so, so I'm not I'm not anticipating any uh, direct competition. Of yep. course, our competition comes from indirect sources. So, mm. you know, in that European game trade, it'll come from, mm. um, you know, it will come from, uh, you know, uh, pigs or pheasants or yep. whatever else yep. in the game market. Yeah. Um, I understand there's been a bit of a pressure on those markets this year on supply. You know, with 
swine flu in Spain and bird flu in um, in France and, okay. and what have you. Yeah. Um, so you know that's a, that's a you know a, a reasonably positive indicator for us. Um, so I'm, I'm not picking up any major competitive elements. Um, or direct competitive elements for uh, venison on a global um, scale. Yeah. For velvet, um, we're not so worried about um, other countries increasing their velvet um, herd or their velvet right. production. Yep. Um, the only country that I could think maybe doing that might be China. Yep. But um, from, from our perspective, it's really our biggest co- competition there is is a lack of awareness of why you would consume velvet. Mm. Um, and I think the market is, is big enough for for other participants to be in there. But we have absolutely led the charge um, uh, in terms of uh, velvet growth. So as I kind of just said before, we, you know, we lifted – production from some 450 tonnes 10 or 12 years ago to over 1,000 tonnes. So that's a bit more than doubling um, our production. Our, our actual value has gone from 28 million up to about 120-odd million. So that's you know quadrupling nearly or certainly trebling um, the value. It's kind of the direction that we really uh, want to, wanting to be going in. So there is mm. enough um, for, for everyone to be playing in there. That, as I say, the biggest obstacle is – um, is really the lack of uh, the lack of understanding in our, in our core markets, and I think we'll see a bit of a change in that. I think mm. we'll see a change when these companies come out with clinical trials showing um, velvet, and you know, obviously, um, we like them to be using New Zealand velvet, and we believe many of them are um, coming out with New Zealand velvet extracts that you know show a, a clinical um, show some good evidence uh, around some functionality. Yeah, that'd be a winner, wouldn't it? I mean, you know, from a from a marketing perspective or, or product marketing perspective, having some robust scientific evidence to support um, certain aspects will be just superb, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, over the years, there have been um, good friends at uh, Ag Research that have done, you know, lots of great um, great studies and, and, and research, but more kind of, you know, more at a, a smaller level. Um, so some of these companies in South Korea, are, you know, they're, they're doing it, at a, you know, in the clinical uh, trial level, so in some yep. cases, human clinical. Um, so I think it'll be quite quite exciting to see kind of what 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 is around the corner uh, really in, in that space. And that may have a kind of even a wider global um, impact, I guess. But there's, yeah, there's a bit of work ahead of us, but the velvet space is, you know, it's looking exciting. But, but as I sit here today, Angus, I can't be um, promising what returns may look like over this coming season because there are many other factors at play between getting uh, valve from the farm gate and out into um, into the consumer's hands. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, this development of the American market sounds pretty exciting. Obviously, America's a, a huge country, so that sounds pretty promising. The focus of that is is for venison. Venison, yeah, indeed, yeah. Than, yeah. Yeah, yep. the venison retail um, accelerator program. Yeah. Gosh, it really is. And it's really cool when you kind of talk with the different companies on, you know, their, their different um, strategies and how they're kind of operating um, out there. So, you know, they've, they've got they've got some pretty exciting programs in, in play. And we can't forget that food service sector as well in, in the U.S. market. And there are, you know, a couple of really good operators that are well linked in there too. So I think, you know, things are looking good in that US market. It's a bit more of a kind of a stable market, I guess. It's a bit more of a market that we that we understand um, what's going on. So um, I guess watch the space over the next couple of years. Um, we've got to be careful about setting our expectations of what things might look like over the next couple of months. But yep. certainly, um, you know, I think, I think we've got the building blocks in place to have an exciting future. Yeah, it sounds good. Hey, look, um, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today. Thanks for your time. 
yeah, likewise, Angus. Hey, I really, um, really do, um, yeah, really do love having this chance to have a bit of a, a bit of a yarn. There is clearly lots happening in terms of market development for deer farmers. Venison is bouncing back, and velvet is holding steady. There is, in my view, plenty of positive indicators for New Zealand deer farmers as we move into the future. That's all for me this week. Thank you for listening, and catch you next time.